Yo, 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 podcast pals, hungry homies. How about a little insider travel secret from our friends at Hotel Tonight? Let me tell you, there are tons of empty hotel rooms out there just waiting to be booked. That's how Hotel Tonight scores such incredible deals. They team up with awesome hotels to help them sell these rooms and they pass the savings along to you. Not like last resort places, my hungry homies. Hotel Tonight works with cool, top-rated hotels where you actually want to stay. And even though their name is Hotel Tonight, you can actually book up to 100 days in advance in top destinations and up to a week in advance everywhere else. If you want to start scoring amazing deals at incredible hotels, download the Hotel Tonight app now. Hungry homies, we are back. It is House of Cars, the food podcast for the hungry people, by the hungry people, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I am your hungry host, Joe House. My friends, let me tell you about a couple things going on at the Ringer, the ringer.com before we launch into a little overview of today's delicious show. Let me tell you, if you're feeling like you are missing a little love and drama in your Olympics so far this season, we are three or four days into the Olympics. It's wonderful. Fear not, my hungry homies. The ringer has got your back. We'll full coverage of The Bachelor Winter Games over the next two weeks. The Bachelor Party B-Side. The Bachelor Winter Games will feature past contestants that you have come to love and new faces from international versions of The Bachelor competing for both medals and hearts. You do not want to miss out. Subscribe to Bachelor Party on Apple Podcast Stitcher or anywhere and everywhere you get your podcast, you could do that today. Also check out Molly Fitzgerald's piece on Valentine's, I, I can't speak today, Va- Valentine's Day haunted houses on the ringer.com. That is a perfect segue into our guest today. My man, Adam Rappaport, editor-in-chief of Bon Appetit magazine. He comes once a season, my culinary comrades, to talk to us about the recipes of the moment. He's going to share with us a couple ideas for the upcoming Valentine's Day. If you find yourself squeezed in the morning of Valentine's Day when this pod drops, he has some in-house cooking recommendations. We also make a couple observations of how you might go out and about and conquer Valentine's Day. We also talk a little bit about Super Bowl food, even though the Super Bowl is uh, 10 days ago. There's still many items from that menu that make sense. One in particular, you have to listen into that. And of course, Juliet and I conquer the food news. We have to touch on the Lady Doritos again. Of course, this they, they came out with a corporate statement on that. I'm not buying it. Juliet was okay with it. But before we get over to that food news and the Lady Doritos, let's get in that belly with my boy Adam Rappaport. All right, my culinary comrades, my taste buds, my hungry homies. Today's guest, you know him, you love him. The first ever guest on House of Carbs, the editor-in-chief of Bon Appetit magazine. Most recently, the host of Food Network's uh, competition show, Best Baker in America. Adam Rappaport is here to talk to us. Rappo, what's happening, my brother? Joe F., always, always good to be here. Always good. So now we've kind of settled into this uh, pattern here, and I and I quite like it. I I will, uh, you know, I I might fight you. We might have to have a fist fight if you try and and back (laughs) out of this. 
Um, you you've now appeared kind of coincident with each of of uh, of a season, and it really sets up for nice kind of uh, food conversation around what's appropriate for that season. So you came on when the show started in July. We nailed down some important grilling tips. You came on right uh, at the beginning of November. We are, we were able to help. The hungry homies navigate Thanksgiving, navigate the the holiday party, do a little Christmas uh, menu planning. And here we are in the dead of winter. It's February, second week of February. We are um, suffering through the post-Super Bowl hangover, at least I am. It's also Valentine's Day in a couple days. And, uh, you know, I think we're right. We're straddling that line between... Um, whether we are eating, starting to eat really healthy food with an eye towards spring break, which could be four or five or six weeks out, or whether we're still, you know, because it's cold and it's still getting dark pretty early, we're still enjoying, we're, we're surrounding ourselves in comfort foods. So that's, that's what I'd like to tackle today, Rappo. Uh, well, let's do this. Yeah, let's do this. So let's start with the Super Bowl. It, it feels like it was two months ago. Not, uh, you know, a week ago, at least to me. Um, I know you and the, the hungry homies at Bon Appetit did a little Super Bowl uh, bracket. You, you, you guys did some food ranking over there. Yeah, so we, we, we took a page from the House of Carbs and we set up a playoffs of the ultimate Super Bowl or ultimate football watching foods. Uh, so we had like appetizers, main courses, and we would pit like-minded dishes against each other, like queso versus pimento cheese or guacamole and chips versus nachos uh, with the intent of sort of working your way through that and ultimately reaching the ultimate Super Bowl menu. Okay. So wh- where did that come out? All right. So we had a happy accident. Uh, in the main course section, we were... We were basic pulled pork sandwiches were going up against Bosom. And Bosom, as your man Dave Chang knows, is this amazing Korean style pork, slow roasted pork shoulder glazed with sugar and salt that just gets all fall apart tender. And you serve it with these little lettuce cups. You put in some rice and some kimchi and you make these sort of sweet and crunchy and juicy sort of Korean burrito sort of things. And it, they, the only problem with Bosom is you literally can't stop eating it. Like you will get the meat sweats and you're like, I need to step away from the table. So we were going back and forth. And then Carla Music, our food director, just said, well, guys, what if we just make Bosom pulled pork sandwiches? What? And we were like, ooh. Ooh, what? So what we did is we roasted this pork shoulder, got some Martin's potato rolls. And if you can't find Martin's potato rolls, either another brand or those great sort of Hawaiian buns, you know, something squishy and soft. A little sweet too, too, right? A little sweet. Exactly. So we we shredded the pork, put some kimchi on top of that, some ginger scallion sauce, which if you ever had it at a a restaurant like Sambar, you could put that on your hand and you would eat your hand. It's that good. It's like ginger and scallions and garlic and soy sauce and oil. And oh, it's ridiculous. And then a little uh, cilantro mayo. And you put that all on a squishy bun sandwich. And I mean, good Lord, it is just, you're going back for seconds and thirds. So... That's where the bracket the, the bracket produced uh, a, a, a out of left field, but but highly uh, accomplished winner. I mean, that is a hell of a meal. Good. Now it was the, it was the Nick Foles of sandwiches. No one saw it coming, and then all of a sudden you're like MVP, MVP, you're like MVP. So I want to tell you one thing about myself. I want to make a confession, and then here's my follow-on question. My confession is, you know, they they give you the tongs, you don't have to use them. I don't use them. You just use your hand? <laughs> yeah, because that, 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 that meat, the way it's been prepared, it is to be experienced with all of the senses, not just my nose and my mouth and my eyes and my ears. I want to feel it. I want to feel it, well, Rappo. I want the heat to know, burn I, my hands. It's, I want it to be hot in the center. <laughs> like, ah, this is hot, but I, it's worth it. It's worth it. Professional chefs always say the best tool in the kitchen is your hands. See, and I I didn't even know that, but uh, here at House of Carbs, we're getting smarter over here, Rappo. Um, here's my here's my question to you: What did you eat on your Super Bowl Sunday? 
Well, we had that going on. We also made some guacamole. Uh, my friend Gabe made some sort of Vietnamese-style wings, popularized at that restaurant, Pock Pock. There was also, so there was also like a lot of cilantro and sort of you know like gingery, garlicky stuff happening. Uh, and then I had like basically like a twelve pack of Bud Light. Yeah, well, of course. So that's a real diversity of cuisines. Did you host at your house? Uh, I was at some friends in, up in Connecticut for the weekend. Uh, I got gotcha, so gotcha. you. You know what we did? Like, first of all, why isn't the Super Bowl on Saturday night? That would make life <laughs> so much easier. It's no one or the other. over on Monday. Yeah. Stay up as late as you want. It sucks on the East Coast. The game doesn't end until 1030. So we ended up staying at our friends in Connecticut and drove back the next morning. That's the right play. I mean, either the game should be Saturday night or the Monday after the Super Bowl needs to be a holiday. Those are the two options. Exactly. And and one way or the other, you know, it feels like in our lifetime that's got to happen. Now, did you did you transport the Bosam or did you go up and, and make it there physically at your at your pal's house? Made it there. They're they're big cooks, so they they like they like a cooking project. I got it. I got it. So this is the thing, and you you just that's the perfect segue. I on my Super Bowl Sunday do not like a cooking project. I I can't be because oh, you know really? what I'm doing on Super Bowl Sunday, Rappo. Gambling. <laughs> As a matter of fact, <laughs> yes, you have hit the nail on the head, my brother. While other people may be looking at recipes and what ingredients they want to pair together and the timing and, and the setting of the menu and so forth early in the morning, I have a props bet sheet out in front of me with literally hundreds of different plays that, that are possible, as well as you know how I might personally want to combine various props for parlay action. And I tell you, it takes up so much much time by the time I'm done figuring out my my and I want um now I know that this is uh against um the you know the manifesto and so forth waiting around until uh the day of means you get worse odds in some instances you might miss out on some opportunities but I I want to know exactly what I'm going up against so I'm I'm making my menu my gambling menu on that on that Sunday, but it means I can't do any cooking and I don't want to do any cooking when I'm done and I'm, I'm locked in. I know exactly what my gambling menu looks like. What I want to do is eat some chicken wings. And that's the most important thing to me on Super Bowl Sunday. And then the accompaniment to that can be barbecue. It can be pizza. It can be like a, like a Peruvian chicken kind of action. Uh, you know, those kind of deals. Um, for me this year, it was indeed, I went chicken on chicken. I had, uh, glorious <laughs> grilled wings. Um, and I'm not going to name any names to purveyor, but it is important to me on Super Bowl Sunday to have food delivered. And I can't tell you why that is. Again, that doesn't make any sense. It's just my tradition. I want, I, I don't want to have to, to leave my house once, you know, two o'clock rolls around. Uh, I'm, I'm locked in for the pregame and I'm getting myself together. My big gambling menus in front of me. Um, the beverages are on chill and that's, that's about when I, you know, it's time to sit down and start planning out, you know, where I'm going to order in my uh, meal from. Can I, can I offer a counterpoint? I would love to hear it, please. All right. In in a perfect world, we're all watching the Super Bowl like in Los Angeles, where it's like 74 degrees. The game starts at 3 p.m. You can have Bloody Marys and margaritas an hour or two beforehand. That's perfect. But on the East Coast, the game doesn't kick off till 630. So you literally have all day to do nothing. And it's gray out and it's cold out. So I like I I like to cook because that gives me something to do. So that gives me my Sunday project leading up to the game. And then I sit down at 530 for pregame, open a beer and I'm good to go. Yeah, so I'll say uh, I'm not doing nothing. Um, Those hours in the lead up to the Super Bowl are consumed by me in the first place because of my um, my bat bilateral brain, I'm heavily focused on the outcome of of the golf tournament of the day, which is always the waste management Ooh, yeah. tournament in Phoenix, uh, and I tend to have a little action on that, so my focus is there. But I'm also you know trying to figure out this this uh, you know all all the angles that I want to pursue with the Super Bowl, and you know that ends up being highly social. I'm I'm eliciting a lot of input over the course of Sunday with all of my trusted conciliaries, you know, all all walks of life. Now I did I really missed out. I should have called up Chris Ryan or one of the Ringer's own 
Philadelphia John Gonzalez. One of, I needed somebody to steer me away. You know that I put a little uh, action on Jay Ajayi. That was a mistake. You know, him, he was he was a little dinged up, so he wasn't the guy coming out of the backfield and making catches. Uh, I, I, I'm i going to stop it now, though, because I'm sure that nobody who listens to House of Carbs gives a rat's ass about my um, gambling. <laughs> All I'm saying is that it, it, it in my world, it's not it's not a dull day leading up to the actual kickoff. There's a lot of action going on. Um, I just I just don't trust myself, you know, with with, uh, a, you know, ha- trying to execute a proper menu. Fair enough. OK. Uh, so it is the the second week of February, and we are you and I um, both old hands at Valentine's Day, and let's just be direct about it: we're old. So <laughs> for for us, I don't think Valentine's Day is uh, well. Let me let me not get myself in trouble. I will make a, an effort. Um, I look forward to the meal on Valentine's Day. I will not be going out to eat. Uh, and I, I want something that, that my wife and I, um, can enjoy without either one of us really having to lift a finger because that's, that's kind of the, what feels proper. So we're probably ordering in something slightly higher price point, something slightly decadent. Uh, you know, I, I don't have it. I haven't figured out the menu yet, but that's, that's just me. Let me hear your strategy for Valentine's day. Okay, a couple of thoughts. First of all, Valentine's Day is on a Wednesday this week. So if you're going to cook, you've got to have realistic ambitions in terms of time to shop and cook and whatnot. All right. I think we have an article up right now on our website, basically, which is at eatbasically.com. And, this, and the article is called How to Cook a Valentine's Day Dinner that shows you care, but not like in a really over the top way. <laughs> and the gist is like, yeah, hey, you're not cooking some five course meal and, and, and whatnot. I think the best thing to do, go buy the best piece of protein you can afford. That might be a beautiful Berkshire pork chop. It might be a ribeye. It might be a beautiful piece of fish. You want something you can cook sort of quickly with some salt and pepper in a pan, gorgeous on its own. Uh, We have a recipe for these sort of like honey glazed pork chops that you then make a pan sauce with some chopped hazelnuts and lemon juice and butter, and you pour that over it. You make a simple salad with some endives and uh, apple and Parmesan. Simple stuff like that, quick. But, House, the important thing is you don't want to be the stressed-out cook in the kitchen. Right. Because if you're not having fun, you know else is not having fun? Your wife's not having fun. Your beloved. Your beloved is having no fun. No. So it's like buy a good bottle of wine. If you're into cocktails, make sure you got the cocktail stuff. Your friend who knows all about music, ask him or her for a good playlist. So you got the playlist going. You got the wine ready. Maybe you light a candle or two. Just make sure it's not scented. And you're hanging out in the kitchen. You're cooking. You're enjoying yourself. And, and that's the important thing. And so you make, don't ever make something you haven't never made before. So you've got to be familiar. You're hanging out. You're listening to music. You're drinking. you got something going. That's the way you want to handle it. it, it if it tries to be too fancy or too ambitious, everyone just ends up uncomfortable. I am going to tell a story that is against my better judgment. But I have been with my wife for coming up on 15 years now, and this is we, we, this will be our 10th anniversary. Um, in my dating life before my wife, I learned the lesson that you just described in an extraordinarily painful way that resulted in me uh, uh, finally serving two giant and beautiful, I must say, pork chops at 1020 in the evening on, on the Valentine's Day. <laughs> Humongous mistake. And then you you passed out. Of course. Um, Of course. As as did the, you know, the object of my affection at that moment. So that's what I like to do. I like I said, I like to buy a nice steak. I like a nice bottle of wine. You have fun with it. And I also think it's okay. You don't have to cook everything from scratch. So maybe you want to buy a store-bought dessert of some sort. A few years ago, I went to this great deli in Little Italy where they had beautiful porchetta. And I got like, mm. a hunk of porchetta, brought that home. Then I bought some really nice sort of uh, escarole and radicchio. And I made this like porchetta salad. I shredded oh. the porchetta, tossed it with the lettuces, made a vinaigrette, and it just roasted some simple potatoes. And that was so good. And I was like, yeah. oh, this is delicious. I literally picked it up on my way home from work. 
and we had a great night. Like I said, you don't have to be a hero. You just have to enjoy yourself. So what about the folks out there? Now, the, the good thing is uh, this, this show will be up first thing Wednesday morning. So this is going to be for the folks that might have uh, waited a little too long to plot out their Valentine's Day strategy. But this is all these are all sound principles. If, if you if you're listening to this show and it's Wednesday morning and you're, you're feeling a little panic, don't panic. Simple, straightforward. Don't overdo it. Don't be too ambitious. That's the way of the road. The 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 the, the proper uh, approach. Um, what about folks who uh, are looking to go out to eat? What about some guidance for those people? Uh, oh man! I, <laughs> is the guy? Is I, it? I, don't I, do it. I just think, well, in general, I think it's just such an amateur move because you're going to these restaurants and they all have the prefix menus and they're overcharging you and you're getting like the molten chocolate cake for dessert and do you want like the duck breast or the whatever for the main course? You have like no choice. It's crowded. The waiters are stressed out. You have all those uncomfortable couples who want to be having a good time and they're like, are we having fun? I'm not sure if we're having fun. Why aren't you talking? Did I do something wrong? Honey, what's wrong? And you're like, no, man, just like enjoy yourself. So I think if you're going to go out on, on, on Valentine's Day, go somewhere that is not like the typical uh, Valentine's Day sort of restaurant with the prefix. Like go get Korean barbecue or something. Like go have fun. Go to a cool bar and hang out and have like a, have like a cocktail date and get drunk together. You know, and then go get, then go get like a, a gyro or some pizza. Do something not obvious. Like have fun. Like make an evening of it. You can go out to a nice restaurant any other night of the week. Do this in a way that's not so obvious and predictable. I love that. That That is uh, outstanding. I'm going to record this. And, and again, doesn't really apply to my life anymore, but um, these, that, that's a real uh, guidepost for, for Valentine's yeah, Day. I, I even I, like... I would go to... I would go get drunk with my wife, have fun at a bar somewhere, and end up in Chinatown, like in New York Noodle Town, and just chow down. Like, that that's, would be super fun. That's, of, of course, right. So anything that's, like, slightly out of the ordinary, something that's going to elevate your, your, you know, take date night in a different direction um, will, will, will fit the bill. I like the play of going to a fancy restaurant that's got the, the fixed-price menu and all that stuff and skipping the seating and just going right to the bar. And having a meal at the bar and see if what the bartender can bring you, you know, you, 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 I love one of my tactics. Uh, one of my favorite dining tactics is getting to the bar. I, I love to eat at the bar. And fortunately, my beloved um, is, is, is of like mind. So we're often going and sitting at the bar at some restaurant and trying to, you know, we strike up a nice rapport with a uh, bartender. And then once you have that established relationship and you've established that you're um, hungry and you're willing to spend a lot of money on booze, um, they, they start thinking about how they can, you know, return the favor. And a lot of times you'll get some some surprises that come out of the kitchen, something, you know, I just want you to try this or, oh, I know the menu doesn't offer this today, but, you know, let me see if I can talk to the guy. Uh, or, you know, the guys I, or gals in the kitchen. I love dining at the bar, especially if it's a place with good bartenders. And like you said, they, they will take care of you. You engage them. The one thing you got to watch out for, house, especially if you're with your wife, and I, I know the restaurants in D.C., a lot of these restaurants, they've got the TV on at the bar. And if there's a Wizards <laughs> game on, you're not paying attention to your wife. You're watching you're watching Beal and Wall instead of your wife. So don't go to a restaurant with the TV. That's, that's the only advice I'd, I'd offer. That's a that's a, that's a great uh, uh, observation, especially on Valentine's Day. You can't let your eyes. That's a put the phone away and don't be don't have the TV in line of sight. Those are those are two important ones for sure. All right, rap. So it is the middle of February. I know it's cold in New York City because it's cold here in Washington D.C. Although I, it feels like we dodged a bullet. Chicago caught a blizzard over the last handful of days. And we got walloped with rain down here in D.C. Did you get rain up there in New York? We got we got biblical amount of rain up here in New York. Absolutely miserable weekend. Yeah, they were they were talking about, like, yo, there was potential drought on the horizon. It really hasn't rained. We ain't no drought. We're, all the reservoirs are full down here in the DMV, rap, let me tell you. Um, but we're at that point of the of the year, that point of the food season, where we might be at a kind of a inflection point in terms of what's proper. Uh, and by proper, I mean which way your taste buds are leading you, because we're about like four weeks, five weeks, six weeks out from spring break. But it's also still like a weekend we just had. 
I don't want to go out at all. I want to get, you know, take the ground beef that's sitting that's in, in the fridge on, on uh, emergency purposes, get that sucker thawed out and get some chili going for some, uh, you know, evening Olympic viewing. Um, let me hear where your food brain is at at the moment. Uh well, I I think it's in two places. Like you mentioned, it, are are we looking forward or are we in the here and now? For in the here and now, we have a recipe in the March issue of Bon Appetit, which comes out this week, uh, which is kind of similar to the Bosom. This is slow roasted lamb shoulder oh. with a citrus fennel salad. And so, oh, yeah. if you've ever been to Zahab in Philadelphia, you know uh, I have. To, did you had did you have the lamb shoulder? I did indeed. Yeah, it's amazing. And, it's and, and the, it has the same qualities as pork shoulder. It, like yeah. I said, it, it's not as sort of probably popular in the States, but it's one of those things that you should get familiar with. Uh, and you slow roast that sucker. And again, it's all fall apart tender and crispy and shellacked and delicious. And then you pair it with a bunch of sort of sectioned oranges, like blood oranges, mandarins, navel oranges, sliced fennel. And what I like about that is like you get that bracing acidity from the citrus fennel salad that complements the rich fattiness of the, of the lamb shoulder. And you can, if you have a meal like that and you stay away from like the pureed potatoes and the cream spinach, you can leave the table feeling somewhat humid. Yeah, I mean that's you can fill yourself up. I mean, I I had a great meal. I I was fortunate enough uh, to be led on a tour of the Philly food scene, and all we did we barely scratched the surface. But Chris Ryan, native son of Philadelphia, back in December, um, had me come up, and we went around and we visited a lot of um, Michael Solomonoff uh, and and Stephen Cook's restaurants, and we we're lucky to cap it off with a Zahav meal. Um, but the thing is, um, with that kind of cooking, with that Israeli Mediterranean fo focused cooking, you can have a lot of different bites of a lot of different food, a lot of different flavor profiles, and not come away from the table feeling like, you know, I want to just go lay down on the cold tile floor with my shirt off, which is kind of my move uh, when I'm full. I, I can relate to that. The only thing is, when they send out the warm, freshly baked pita bread. Yes, yes, that, yes. I just, like, I'm like, I can't not eat that. It's like warm and puffy. You know, it's like these little bread footballs. And the next thing you know, you're like, oh, man, I should not have eaten all that pita bread. But if, if you can say no, then, yeah, you, yeah, you've got some eggplant. You've got some cucumbers. You've got the meat. And it's like a really well-balanced meal. And that's what I do love about that style of eating. Yeah, you and me both. Also, all right, in the, in the issue, if, if we're looking ahead to spring break, which I am, because that means, that means it's golf season, uh, we have a, a kind of, we call it pasta night 2.0 in the, in the, in the issue, uh, miso pesto with ramen noodles. Oh. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, so what's cool about now, if you go to Whole Foods, you can buy fresh ramen noodles, like the same ones you'll get at any, not the exact same as any, at any ramen restaurant, but fresh, f freshly made ramen noodles in a package. A, so cr a credible a, a version, recipe. a credible version of ramen. Uh, yeah, a, a very good one. Yeah, and they come in the little plastic containers, and all you got to do is boil them for a few minutes. Uh, and so Andy Barragani, one of our uh, test kitchen editors, developed this ramen, I mean this pesto, which is uh, spinach, cilantro, a tablespoon of white miso, also available everywhere now, garlic cloves, some oil, sesame oil, uh, and lemon juice. And you puree that all together, and it turns out this bright, vibrant green. You toss the ramen noodles in that, and it's like, it, you're like, oh, it's like pesto, but it's a completely different kind. So your taste buds are like, you're like, holy cow, this is so good. The noodles are fresh, uh, and it's just a bright, vibrant eating experience. Yeah, that's a mashup of a lot of different cuisines, it sounds like to me. You say pesto, I think Italian, but some of the ingredients exactly. there were Mediterranean, and the ramen has a, an Asian influence. Are, what, what are we doing here? Give me a flavor profile. Well, again, it, it, that's what's so interesting uh, about where we're at food-wise. I mean, Andy Baragani, who developed the recipe, he's Persian-American, so he has a much more Middle Eastern palate in terms of what he grew up eating. He takes the ramen because nowadays everyone's ramen crazy and you can yeah. buy the stuff. And then for this pesto sauce, which pesto, you know, in Italian basically just means sauce. Uh, he takes the, the miso and the miso paste is what gives it that nice umami quality. Okay. And then like cilantro oh. takes
takes you to a more Asian-y sort of Middle Eastern space than does basil, which would take you more to, to Italy. So it's like you're taking the same technique of pureeing herbs and something umami and, and garlicky together, uh, but it's a, just a, a different direction. I think that's what's so great about food in America is that chefs understand the techniques and, and the, the balance of what uh, dictates a, a great dish, but then they take it in unexpected directions. Whereas in a country like Italy, if you're in Liguria, you, it's like you have to make pesto this way, and this is the only way you make it, and you should never try anything different. And it's great because it's like you're getting the authentic thing, but you get the authentic thing every single day. In America, you can get something different every day, and if the chef knows what he or she is doing, you can get something you've never tasted before, and it can be sort of mind blowing. Well, I, I will say, uh, having Talked to a handful of folks. I was lucky enough to have Amanda Clute on uh, earlier, the editor-in-chief of, of Eater. And we were, you know, I had her on uh, the show. And we were kind of talking about what we anticipate, what she was thinking for, for 2018. 2018 feels like to me, uh, and let me hear your thoughts on this, as potentially like the year of the mashup. I mean, it's a lot of different cuisines and, and, and styles and techniques that all can be brought to bear with a slight, you know, twist to produce, you know, um, a reinvention of something that uh, is, is kind of a, a middle, middle of the road, you know, pesto pasta kind of meal. But you're adding in, you know, flavors and, and, and it sounds like to me there's a lightness to this, to this dish that where you don't have to come away, you know, feeling like this was a pasta meal, push back the table uh, so that you can make room for your belly exactly and also with this just for instance there's no cheese so there's no parmesan cheese the the miso plays that role of the umami element and and the parm i think what's interesting about what amanda said uh and why 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 this year for mashupness and a couple of reasons like first of all these ingredients are accessible to everyone now like the breadth of ingredients available to the average home cook in america or especially the professional chef is astounding you can kind of get if you if you go on online or if you go to a whole foods or wherever you can pretty much get anything second of all, you go on the internet, you can learn how to make anything. It's all right there. Every chef knows what every other chef in the country is making just by going on Instagram or to that restaurant's website. And third of all, so many of these chefs now have worked in so many different types of restaurants that by the time they open their own place, they've got this very sort of sort of multi-tiered background. And, and, and maybe they've worked in an Asian restaurant or Middle Eastern or Italian, and they can put all those sort of techniques to work in what they want to do as long as they're confident and, and are well-schooled. And I think that's Again, I, I think that's what's so exciting about American food is that it is constantly evolving and it's constantly creating something new and different. And it's like as a chef, as long as you have a respect for where the, the, those core techniques and ingredients come from, then you can sort of create sort of like push the boundaries of them. I, I, I love it. So tell me, uh, you mentioned that that this um – Ramen. What I don't want. To, what's how, what's the what's the name? What's the title? What's the label? What do you call it? Oh, on the well, and the and the, I'm just looking at the, in the issue. Miso pesto miso, with ramen noodles. Miso pesto with ramen noodles. Uh, that's in the March issue. Uh, what what is the focus? Because like, March is a transition month for the East Coast. What what is? How do you guys style the March issue? What what what's the well, uh, character of it? <laughs> All right. For this issue, uh, we did the big sort of feature in the issue is the A to Z of sandwich making. Uh, and I know a lot of people are going to go batshit about this, but we took we put a stack <laughs> of gorgeous peanut butter and jelly sandwiches on the cover. And people are like, what do you mean, Bon Appetit? You're telling us how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Really, Bon Appetit? And you're like, yeah, yeah, I get it. Uh, but I, what I love about sandwich making is that everyone's got an opinion, and everyone thinks that their way is the right way to do it. So we sort of chime in with advice in A to Z of, of rock-solid advice for every type of sandwich you can imagine. Okay, I love it. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, the, it's not out yet, is it? It should be out this week. It this week. It should be coming out. depends on your newsstand or your mailbox. Okay, good. I'll, I'm going to keep an eye on my mailbox. So, look, you and I uh, have some planning to do. We will be doing a smidge of spring breaking together. I can't wait for, for the spring season to arrive, mainly because I love spring food. So start thinking now uh, about you know, what, what might show up, uh, properly on a spring menu. You and I will be together, uh, God willing for a, for a knock off the rust trip. Uh, we're going to, uh, 
do do a little golfing together, hopefully in warmer climes, and hopefully a little bit of spring eating uh, in our future in March. So we'll have you on, you know, in kind of like that you- April. Go ahead. It would be great if you could get us into Augusta National. See, that would be a good destination. The spring ingredients will be popping down there in well, Georgia. Maybe you can get a few tomatoes. We'll get some asparagus, some fava beans. How about this? I, be I'm sure I can get us in, get us tickets to the to the actual Masters tournament, and we can go as spectators, as patrons. Not not the let's let's be proper here. We go as patrons, and you and I can order every single thing in the incredibly affordable. Um, snack houses there. They have a variety of sandwiches with a lot of different, speaking of pimento cheese, flavor profiles and styles and designs. All lovely. And we can give a, a, a modern 2018 take. Uh, in fact, we can maybe do our own mashup. We'll take their pulled pork and their egg salad and smash it together and see what kind of creamy, rich, you know, fatty uh, combination we can do on our own. Something like that. Is that, is that would whet your appetite at all? I, it does. I will say it's our mutual friend, Jason Gay, over at the Wall Street Journal. When he was covering the Masters a few years back, he actually FedExed me a few pimento cheese sandwiches from Augusta. That's right. Uh, and by the time they arrived, they were quite moist. <laughs> I don't I don't think those are intended to travel much more than like a half hour, but I, I really yeah. admire the effort. I mean, the heroic effort. All right, Rappo, as always, thank you, my brother. Uh, I look forward to having the spring conversation with you, and we'll be comparing a little bit of notes about our terrible golf swings while we're at it. Joe, thank you for having me, and I will see you in Augusta. (laughs) Can't wait. All right, as always, big thanks to my man, Adam Rappaport, some outstanding advice and guidance for this February food moment. We are going to do some food news with Juliet, but first, how about a word from our good pals at Sun Basket? For a lot of us, a delicious home-cooked meal is the ultimate luxury. In fact, Rappaport and I uh, discussed a beautiful home-cooked meal for Valentine's Day. It sounds simple, but with all the planning and knowledge required, we're lucky if we can pull it off once a week. Thankfully, Sun Basket makes it easy and convenient to cook meals at home, no matter how much experience you have in the kitchen. Because with Sun Basket, everything is pre-measured and easy to prep. You can get a healthy and delicious meal on the table in about 30 minutes. 18 healthy options to choose from every week from all kinds of styles and varieties. Paleo, gluten-free, lean and clean, vegan, Mediterranean, family options. It is suitable for many lifestyles, including your lifestyle. Easily cook. Oh, listen, listen, these delicious dishes. Dishes that are available. Seared albacore tuna steaks with green beans and soft-cooked eggs. Beautiful. Or a steak with chimichurri and harissa roasted sweet potatoes. Oh, I like that harissa spice. All sorts from the best farms and suppliers to ensure that your produce is fresh and organic and your meats and seafood are responsibly raised. Hungry homies, go to sunbasket.com slash carbs today to learn more and to get $35 off your first order. That's sunbasket.com slash carbs for $35 off. That's a big chunk of change, my hungry homies sunbasket.com slash carbs my culinary comrades house of carbs also brought to you today by our good pals at zip recruiter are you hiring out there my hungry homies my taste buds posting your position to job sites and waiting and waiting and waiting for the right people to see it that's no fun Zip Recruiter knew there's a smarter way, so they built a platform that finds the right job candidates for you. Zip Recruiter learns what you're looking for, identifies people with the right experience, and invites them to apply to your job. These invitations have revolutionized how you find your next hire. In fact, this is a fact. 80% of employers who post on Zip Recruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. Quality candidate, one day, 80% hit rate. 
throw your hands in the air, my, my, my hungry homies. ZipRecruiter does not stop there. They even spotlight the strongest applications you receive so you don't miss a great match. The right candidates are out there. ZipRecruiter is how you find them. Businesses of all sizes trust ZipRecruiter for their hiring re- needs. And right now, House of Carbs listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right. F-R-E-E. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash carbs that's ziprecruiter.com slash carbs ziprecruiter it's the smartest way to hire all right taste buds it is now time for food news juliet Littman. hey what's hey, happening hey. what's happening what's, what's happening what's happening Not how much. you doing hardest working woman in the podcast business <laughs> you had to i understand uh Re- re- reconsider and 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 reorganize your podcast uh outlay last week is that I, right kind of this is getting a lot of play i didn't think people would notice that if i wasn't doing heat check but it keeps being brought up i'm on it i'm on it today but i just oh, I just not it's it's the john gonzalez show now and i'm just here for here for the ride well i i just would like to um convey my appreciation uh, and thanks to you for hanging in on House of Carbs because I don't, I don't, I don't know what we do without you. So I could I'm, never I'm not do you... food news. I mean, food news yeah. is my life. Food is the best. It's in your well, and 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 honestly, you you have to do it because there is. I, I'm the interloper. It's true. You've been doing it for years. I, I invented mean, this is, food news. You really did <laughs> something like that <laughs> on the internet, right? Sure, I'll take. Sure. I, I love taking credit. Why the f not? Why the f not? I have a quick question before we jump into these stories. Wonderful. Uh, is there anything, you know, the Olympics uh, kicked off Thursday night into Friday morning. Um, are you, is there any special uh, um, menu, any special Olympics viewing diet that, that you have in, in mind? Are you, is there anything for the season? What an intriguing question. Um, I do love Korean barbecue and I like Korean food, which is a lot. There's a lot of good Korean food in, in LA, so we're lucky. Um, yeah. However, last night for dinner, I had ramen and it was just really good. I just love ramen. So same part of the world, certainly not the same country, but it just felt like, you know, oh, this is all happening in Asia. I'll have some Asian food. Not to say Asia's a monolith at all, but um, <laughs> that's what I had last night for dinner. And it was really good. My local ramen place called bon- Ramen Bangachi on uh, oh. Sunset in oh. Silver Lake. Oh, maybe have to. Should we give a link or not give a link? Because I don't want people. I don't want your ability to get in there to be affected by the hungry homies swamping the joint. I have a feeling it's not a problem, but it's ramenbangachi.com. <laughs> it just opened, and I have to okay. say the vegan ramen is really good. It's also like when I open the Postmates app when I'm sitting on the couch, you know, it shows me like the closest restaurants, and ramen yes. bangachi along with its next door neighbor garage pizza are literally 300 yards away. Like they're so close that I, I while I have ordered in from garage pizza, I felt bad about it because it was so close, and it's like the kind of thing that ramen doesn't deliver well. So I'm like lucky it's right across the street and it's pretty good. Yeah, that's perfect. I will tell you, um, this is not a setup. You did not participate in the conversation I had with Bon Appetit's Adam Rappaport, uh, where we were talking about kind of the seasonal palette right now. We're in the middle of the winter and we spent a lot of time talking about uh, a uh, recipe on the website and in the magazine right now, pesto miso ramen really yes oh my god i'm on trend is what you're saying well and we were talking about like that's a mashup right that's a a few different cultures a few different traditions a few different techniques and we feel like maybe 2018 the year of the 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 culinary mashup interesting well that's exciting that makes me feel good about my choices on trend as always jl (laughs) that's what everyone says about me she's so on trend just kidding that's not (laughs) what they say at all Let's talk about some some news. Let's talk food news. This is a big one. Big mass appeal on this story. This is from the San Diego Union Tribune. Shout out to local news and local newspaper. I I support local news and recommend you subscribe to your newspaper in your hometown. And if it's San Diego, it happens to be the San Diego Tribune. And this is a story about a girl who sold 312 Girl Scout cookie boxes outside of a pot shop. And this newspaper is wondering, did she break the rules? 
Let me give you some details. A San Diego girl who sold more than 300 boxes of Girl Scout cookies outside a local marijuana dispensary over the weekend was a talk of the internet. Many praised her sales strategy as genius, but selling Girl Scout cookies outside a pot shop raised eyebrows and questions as more states like California legalized recreational marijuana for sale and consumption. This girl and her father, both who remain unidentified, I don't really know why. I support privacy, but like, I don't know why you can't be named in this story. They told ABC News that they sold 312 boxes in a few hours for the two days during the Super Bowl weekend. And a reporter for 10 News, Travis Rice, posted the video of the girl and her father. I mean, I hope they blurred her face. So they're not sharing her name. Um, word, word of the Girl Scout cookie sales outside of Urban Leaf, that's the name of the dispensary, a recreational marijuana dispensary near Mission Bay, spread after the business posted a photo on Instagram. When asked if Girl Scout cookies are allowed to be sold outside marijuana dispensaries, representatives for the Girl Scouts of San Diego said there are rules in place for cookie sales outside of businesses. They did probably do not have specific rules for uh, marijuana stores because until one month ago, that was not a reality here in California. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> the story has drawn the att- national attention in a similar way that other another Girl Scout did when she sold more than 100 boxes outside of dispensary in San Francisco in 2014. At the time, Dana Allen, a spokeswoman for Girl Scouts in Northern California, told the Los Angeles Times that the onus is on parents to make a wise decision for their girls. Very, very evasive. So, House, <laughs> where do you stand? Well, I mean, I obviously applaud the brilliance of this. Yes. The, the thing that I guess is... Um, the the Girl Scouts, the tough position that they're in, there's there's two elements to it. Um, the obvious one, which is the brand association. Um, but the secondary one is how can you be fair to all of, the, of your, um, I don't, what, what's the proper term for your fellow just, scouts? For, for all your scouts. How can all the scouts get the, get a fair shot at, you know, posting up somewhere or, or near a location with, in the first place, a lot of foot traffic, and in the second place, a certain, you know, culinary desire, you know, a, a natural uh, uh, complementary kind of uh, arrangement between whatever it is that the folks frequenting the brick-and-mortar establishment and, and a particular uh, inclination to desire the Girl Scout cookie. Yeah. So I... I, I you know, because it would make sense, for instance, to go to the most trafficked uh, Starbucks and post up outside the Starbucks if that was a thing. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, they have rules, I guess. I guess. But if it's legal now, what's the problem? Yeah, I don't, I don't have any problem with it at all. And I guess if you uh, move around a little bit, if you're not just sitting there, then you don't. And I, it seems like this is like a local ordinance thing. In San Diego, as opposed to Girl Scout rules, I can't tell though. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know why this is a problem. If we're legalizing weed, like, why not allow the Girl Scouts to capitalize off of it? I have a question: Is selling Girl Scout cookies like a competition? Like, I, I'm actually really not big in the Girl Scout Girl Scout cookie scene, though it is quite a scene with many rabid fans. Yeah, I, I don't know. I've I've never penetrated it. Maybe this would be a good uh, ringer project, perhaps. Oh, I, we're right in the middle of this uh, the season, I think. I don't know when when it ends, uh, but I know I've been solicited relentlessly. Oh, and yeah. I always say yes. I mean, I say yes, yes, yes. Of course. Um, seems like it's for a good cause, but I don't. I honestly don't even know if it's for a good cause. It's for the Girl Scouts, I think. Well, but, if, but yeah, but what's that mean? Like, yeah. is the director of the Girl Scouts making $600,000 a year? Um, I hope not. I hope I just want to I just want to shine the put put a spotlight on the whole thing. I'm sure if I put, you know, go, if I googled it, I could probably get some of this information, but Sure. I want you to know that I did just google it while we were chatting and the all yes. the results were about Jennifer Garner because she was helping her daughter sell them outside of a grocery store in LA over the weekend. Had I known about that, I would have tracked down the store and gone and bought some. I don't even like Girl Scout cookies. How many boxes do you think they sold? Oh, hundreds. Absolutely hundreds. I mean, bring in your celebrity yeah. mom. That's not fair. That's 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 exactly. that's more against the rules to me than standing outside of a marijuana shop. Like that is good strategy. This is just a, a craven celebrity play. <laughs> well, the celebrity's gotta be worth something. Oh, I yes. mean, if the trade-off is the paparazzi's taking pictures of of what you you know, your grocery store, your shopping results of, the, of what's in your cart, like I saw poor Chrissy Teigen uh pregnant, you know, at the grocery store and some papa paparazzi got in in their cart and was like, you know, taking pictures of the fact that she had Captain Crunch in there. Um 
you know, if, if we're at that stage, then the, the celebrity has to be worth something. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Well, we support you, young girl in San Diego. You're doing, you're doing a great job. You're smart. Absolutely. Well done. Moving on. Off, off to Colorado, where there's a brewery, literally, per Denver 9 News, making beer out of snow. This is the story. Here are the deets. Little Machine and Joyride Breweries are making beer out of fresh snow, thanks in part to getting a hold of some fresh hops from Colorado State University. Says Mike Dunkley of Little Machine. It started with fresh. We had this opportunity to work with fresh hops in February, which is super fun. And we're just kind of thinking, what's the freshest way we can source water? Then we said, let's run up to the divide and get some fresh powder. So that's what they did, using a rig that involved a kid's sled in some 60-gallon drums. In small, quote, in small business, especially small breweries, you get to problem solve every day. I can say that's true for my job at the ringer. Sometimes it's how do I get this barrel of snow from the wilderness. Sometimes it's fixing something inside. They were able to bring all the snow back from the mountains and put it in the cooler where it awaited the next step in its journey. They started brewing the beer on Thursday. Little machine head brewer, Corey, it's a quite a title. Corey Carvat says what they ultimately end up doing is replacing some of the water they used to make the beer with snow. And he says that cooled down the mash temperature quite a bit. So we had to figure out how to counteract it. That's like, you know, the chemical, the chemistry of making beer. And uh, the end product will be a IPA. There will only be one batch for now. It's for Collaboration Fest, which is like a beer festival and slated for March 31st. So they made a beer out of snow. That's that. So Colorado uh, of them. I mean, you just beat me to it. That's the most Colorado story I think I've ever heard. Um, and I feel like it's it, it, it ought not to be treated as a novelty. Oh, yeah. Like, well, well, what's so remarkable about it uh, other than the, 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 the you know, they, they kept that, the snow cold? I think that it's like because they had to do a lot of like sorcery not really sorcery but like a lot of like machine work or simple machines to get the snow like made it seem like a big deal but i don't really get it i also like the story like let's talk more about the hops what does it mean to like have fresh hops and, like grow it yourself you know i feel like they're missing the forest for the trees here well i in the sense that uh Everything that you cultivate in February in Colorado that's not pot is is less <laughs> less likely to be uh, you know uh, uh, rem- as remunerative as pot than sure. than yeah right exactly I it's just a missed like, opportunity. I just feel like in Colorado they get really creative about things that you just don't really need to be creative about, and maybe that's rude to go to the state of Colorado, but that's just how I that, feel. That's the point. You got it exactly right. Like. Um, eventually that snow is going to be water and all of Colorado water goes into the, into this beer. So the, it feels a tiny bit precious. I appreciate the hustle. These, these young, um, folks, you know, out there hustling and try to create something unique, um, for the consumers of their beer. But at the end of the day, when I drink the beer, isn't going to be, it's just going to be water that, that was an ingredient in the beer. Absolutely. Absolutely. The fact that it was snow at some point is what I, why, why should I get a pat on the back for that? I know. I know. Also, like, do they have water problems? Like, who 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 asked for this? That's the point. Not in Colorado. No. I mean, that's what this, they have snow. No. You can go get it. These guys did it with a kid's sled and a 60-gallon drum. Return that sled, you know? Like, why are we depriving a kid of his sled? <laughs> Hopefully that's an in-house sled. I hope so, too. All yeah. right, moving on. For some uh, chain food news, which has really become a staple of this podcast. It's like, gotta, it really is. Gotta have your chain food. And you want to know what? I like chain food. So this one's about Buffalo Wild Wings and comes from Delish.com. Throughout the month of February, customers can go for gold. It's an Olympics joke. And add gold sparkles to any order of their Buffalo Wild Wings wings just by asking the waiter or waitress to, quote, bling my wings. I will never say that again, ever. (laughs) Sadly, the flecks aren't made of real gold. The decoration is actually, actually a tasteless sugar topping that's added to wings after they're cooked and sauced. That way, Buffalo Wild Wings' main attraction, the 21 signature sauces you can pick from, won't be affected. And also the bling is free so real because real gold would be a lot to ask for. So, House, I've got a lot of issues with this. Like, just a lot. <laughs> you, you, you go. You go. Number, don't let me get in the way. Number one, I will not say the phrase again, but I would, I would absolutely not say that to a waiter or a waitress. I would just, there's just absolutely no way. Number two, a tasteless sugar. 
What's the point of sugar if not to add a delicious sweetness that like is bad for your body, but wonderful for your mental health? Otherwise, why just have like literally that is the definition of empty calories, a tasteless sugar. I, I, I just can't. It makes me very angry. And then why not just make one of the sauces gold? I mean, the 21 signature sauces that you're so worried about food coloring, my people. Let's just get this going. So we're talking about both the you would like a gold sauce and sparkly wings. I don't I don't really want either. But like if we're doing this, yeah. there's got to be a better way than sh- a tasteless sugar. Yeah, I'm I'm there with you. So in the first place, my reaction is um, we're not the demo. No. Uh, this is, and you know, I I already mentioned um, Amanda Clute. I dropped her earlier in my conversation with Rappo. I'm going to drop her again. We we were talking uh, earlier this month about uh, food trends in 2018, and one of the things that she brought up was you know the idea of making food um, Instagram attractive. Sure. This is it's very the, hard. It's very hard to do that. By the, the point way. of this. That's a good point. Making making food Instagram attractive. Yeah, like it's hard to like take. I, I think it's hard to take an, a genuinely good picture. I I. I certainly agree with that because I take terrible pictures and it's why on the House of Carbs Instagram at the House of Carbs, we have our hungry homies belly source for us. They send in their well-conceived, well-constructed, proper lighting, proper angle. And and a lot of the hungry homies out there know how to make food look delicious. I don't. Me neither. Uh, I'm terrible at it. I want to get better at it. I had, again, I'm dropping names here. Um... Uh, Rich Cho, the mm. general manager of the Charlotte uh, Hornets, sure. as a hobby, big time bites his um, Instagram plus website uh, and Twitter feed. He puts beautiful pictures of food up. And I asked him what he does, his technique, and he mentioned a food light, but it, it can't just be a light. It can't just be a it light that goes be. along with a camera. For a long time, you think? for a long time, Kim Kardashian had like a special light on her phone that made her selfies look really good. So it could be. <laughs> so many things to say about that that I can't say on this. Even though this show has an E on it, it doesn't have a. It doesn't. It's not a triple E, and that's mm. the only way well, I could I, ever say. I'll just about say Kim that Kardashian. I. I hate the Kardashians, and I was sitting in a meeting today doing a mental inventory of everyone's whose lives have been worsened by association with them. So if you want to talk about that, I'm very available. <laughs> well, dude, that's going to be for another podcast <laughs> okay. at, at another time that has a, enough explicit labels associated with it. I'm so I'm relieved to hear you say this kind of thing, though. I'm often alone in my extreme disdain for this family. What? How can you be alone? I, they just got so many fans house. It's very tough because I, I, you know, I such a consumer of reality television and I find them to be an affront on the entire community, let alone our country. So it's tough. I'm glad you're with me right. on this one. Yeah, right. They're, they're the worst kind of empty calories. Oh, my God. Those, I completely people. agree. I just hate, I just anyway, hate them. We'll Anyhow, but we digress. Back to Buffalo Wild Wings. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, this is not for us. You're right. I, I got to think yeah. about that more when I read these stories and I'm horrified. I'm like, oh, right, this, they don't care about my business. It's not about me. I think it's for like 18-year-olds with phones going in there and yeah. doing Instagrams. I kind of feel like a lot of these food gags are just aimed at college kids. They're like the most susceptible to them. Yes. And then that's why it, it's dumb. You yeah. know, it's not, it, it's a, it, it is a low uh, bar to achievement and, you know, um, not anything that you and I are going to think about again as soon as we're done talking about it. That's true. One thing I have been thinking about, though, is the crazy lazy lady Doritos from last week. And I am not the only one who was thinking about it. So much it got so much attention. And I'm sure that CEO did not think that the podcast that she did was going to be mined for content the way that it was very familiar with how that works and man she should have thought about it (laughs) um they have uh kind of followed up and begun to walk it back this is from ad age and uh here we go speculation about gender specific version of the mainstream snack brand spread after indra nui on uh spoke on a recent episode of the freakonomics podcast and she said we're looking at it and we're getting ready to launch a bunch of them soon she never specifically stated that Doritos for women were coming, which is true, but news reports on the interview soon began carrying the headline, Lady Doritos, and so they released the following statement. The reporting on a specific Doritos product for female consumers is inaccurate. We already have Doritos for women. They're called Doritos, and they're enjoyed by millions of people every day. At the same time, we know needs and preferences continue to evolve, and we're always looking for new ways to engage and delight our consumers. I think this is a really, so that, really well done statement. I, I, that's wonderful to the corporate speak. Yeah. That is 
you know, delightful corporate speak. She everything that came out of her mouth in that podcast undercuts and and sabotages this beautiful statement. Of course, that's the answer to we already have Doritos for women. They're called Doritos. No shit, Sherlock. Yeah, you should have left it at that before she got into exactly what about Doritos make them unappealing to women. Yeah, absolutely. The CEO, for Christ's sakes. Yeah, but huge. anyway, whoever pre- good does, job. Whoever does the CEO's media training, she's she, he or she is the one who I would be really pissed at because I'm like, you had one job. It's to prep a CEO to not say shit like this. You know what? We're we're gonna have our own shot at this when we sit down with the CEO of Taco Bell. Ooh! And uh, when we when we when we talk about you know Live Moss, because uh, because brother Nickel uh, Brian Nickel came up with that. I, I I hope his name is Brian Nickel. I get these names wrong all the time. Should, if um, it's not, we'll just apologize to him next week. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. But I don't I I have a feeling we're not going to end up in any gotcha moments with like the ingredients in the supreme or you know the the chalupa or any of that kind of stuff. Yeah. I think it's he's, he's, he's we I'm going to criticize him for um offering beer first at a Taco Bell out in California because the California Taco Bell the one where was it it was in like uh It's in Newport New, I think. Newport yeah. yeah. Newport does not need beer. You need beer here. Yeah. You need to serve beer with the Taco Bell here in DC. That's what would be a real market uh, uh, prominent kind of move. You know, that's a distinguishing brand action. Newport, you can go get tacos and a beer anywhere for Christ's sake. I know. It's so true. They definitely didn't need it. But we'll we'll suss it out with him when it's our time. Can't wait. Me too. House, thanks for having me as always. It's been a true delight. We've done it. We've done it. I can't wait for next week. There's going to be some great stories as usual. Thanks, Juliet. Thanks, House. Talk to you soon. All right. Talk to you soon. taste buds there we go another house of carbs in the books be sure to listen in next week another special guest in addition to our very special in-house television expert our resident critic andy greenwald on you know we're at the end of this year's top chef season in denver andy is coming on he and i are going to break down how the last few weeks have gone and our views on whether or not the show has pulled the 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 wheat from the chaff do we have the best chefs lined up here listen to andy and i we're going to tackle that plus an, a, a surprise special guest i'm not at liberty to announce it just yet but keep your eyes and ears open my hungry homies keep going and flowing with the belly sourcing if you have some thoughts on this top chef finale hit us up the final four the final five wherever we may be let us know your thoughts at the House of Carbs is the Instagram. At House of Carbs is the Twitter. I'm at House from DC. You can hit us at any of those places and then we'll get it. Thanks very much for listening. Continue, please, with the reviews and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Until next week, my hungry homies, let's stay hungry out there. <laughs> <laughs>